Wow, you know I haven't done this in a really long time, which is really strange. So, but we'll talk about what that's about anyway, because it's always about something. Um, I'm Amy, if you don't know me. Um, I've been here for just about as long as the furniture, longer than most of the furniture, quite honestly. Um, So I think I've been here uh, 22 years now. I think Sue and Jerry might have me beat and a few other people, but that's about it. Um, uh, something like, I showed up when I was 10. You're right, Rick. Thanks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I sit on the pastor's cabinet. Um, in the fivefold ministry, I function as the teacher. My passion and my heart really is about teaching people about Jesus. Um, you will constantly hear me talk about how broken people are broken because they really don't know who they are. And that if the world had any idea who their identity was in Jesus, we would live in heaven and it would be a totally different place. So that's one of my passions. I also work as a private therapist um, because my other passion is to free the broken. Because that's what Jesus wants. He wants us all to have freedom. And if you've ever heard me speak before, you know that I speak out of my own journey Um, A lot of times when I come to Pastor Mark and I say, hey, I have a message and I really feel like I should share it, it's because God has walked me through a pretty interesting, sometimes tough, sometimes fun, sometimes difficult, sometimes freeing season, and he just lays it on my heart that I should share. And so here we are. So it's interesting. I said I haven't done this in a really long time. And which is very unlike me, but I haven't done this in a really long time because not so long ago, I probably walked through one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And it's funny because I think this is becoming a reoccurring theme of a lot of the leaders that have spoke to you talking about difficult seasons. And what did you call it today, Angel? Just a strange season or unusual or just not... But I just walked through one of the most difficult seasons of my life because what was difficult for me is not always what's difficult for others. Um, I have come so far in my faith that I'm in a place where when I lose people and they go to heaven, those aren't so difficult for me anymore. In fact, sometimes I wonder when people die if I get a little almost too excited for them sometimes (laughs) because they're in heaven and I'm not. Mark always says he's kind of jealous. Um, but I have a different perspective on all of those things. And so sometimes those seasons aren't so difficult for me. But as some of you may know, I chose to retire last fall from a super, super crazy, crazy corporate America job that consumed most of my time, kept me away from my family, took an awful lot of my energy, and very often kept me away from home. I traveled a lot, and I wasn't here. And I also lied to myself in the process sometimes and said that everyone that loved me and everybody that, that supported me was completely understanding of the fact that I was absent in their lives because I was out there doing great things. That was a lie, by the way, that I had to learn that maybe they weren't so much completely supportive of me never being around. But... This whole process happened rather quickly. 
I had spent a lot of time saying, well, God, in the next season, you're going to take me to this. And God, in the next season, you're going to take me to this. And when all of a sudden they said, do you want to take early retirement? Because the company's shifting in a totally different direction that I was not ready for. God said, hey, Aim, here's your two by four. It's the next season. Where have you been? So it was interesting because when I look back at it, Um, I can tell you that I didn't realize it, but some of the months after that were some of the most difficult that I've probably walked out in a long time. I had planned this great retirement plan, this great season of, oh my gosh, I'm going to retire. The craziness is going to stop. Jesus and I are going to hang out. We're going to spend at least the first 30 days just hanging. And I envisioned, I literally envisioned I was going to worship every day. I was going to do nothing but read my Bible. And God was just going to show up in this incredible way and say, here's where we're going. But that didn't happen. Instead, I completely lost myself. I suddenly wasn't what I thought defined me for most of my life. Despite all of the work that I thought I'd done on my identity and what God had for me and my destiny, all these words were spoke this morning, I suddenly felt invisible. I felt incapable and I felt completely forgotten. And I actually spoke some of those words to some people in this room that then pulled me back out of that yuck later when I let them. I took on hurt that I didn't even know that I had. I felt like God hadn't showed up like I expected him to. And what I had to realize was he wasn't making my agenda come true. So in the midst of my pouting, as we'll call it, (laughs) I was sitting outside one day And it was during a storm, and the wind was blowing, and I have, where I live now, I have all these trees. And the wind was blowing, and I was just watching these trees, and in amazement, quite honestly, because I'm watching the trees, and they're blowing in the wind, and these branches are bending so much that they're almost touching the ground, but they're not breaking. And it was in that moment that I realized that they had no choice but to trust the maker of the wind. That they had no choice. And then I I, I took it kind of a funny place and I said, hmm, trees don't have free will, so they can't just kind of manipulate the situation and change their mind. But on the other side of that, they have been manipulated by the world. But they had no choice. They had to trust. And so it was very clear to me, Amy, you say you trust me, but do you? You are constantly encouraging other people to step into their destiny, to find their identity in Christ. But where did you go? And when did you stop believing who I said you were. Do you trust me? There's another word that came up this morning. Do you trust me? 
In the simplest of definitions, trust means this. A firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Like, okay, that's easy. But I found myself in a place where I hadn't done any of those things. I had been picking and choosing what I was gonna trust God with. I think we all do it. I'm gonna make an assumption that is an assumption on my part, but I think it's a human reaction that we struggle daily with trying to figure out how to trust God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, and not lean on what I think is best for me or the world says is best for me, but trusting and believing that he's got this all figured out. Wow, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? It'd be so much easier. So then when I really started to thinking about trusting God, I was like, okay, wait a minute, but like, why don't we trust God? What gets in the way for us? And at the end of the day, everything in my world always takes me back to fear. I have been talking to Pastor Mark for probably, since COVID, probably, probably at least the last two years that, wow, fear, I just, I feel like I could preach a month-long sermon on fear. Because at the end of the day, it is my belief that it is one of the greatest, most powerful weapons that the enemy has. And he will use it in any way that he possibly can to strip away the absolute very things that God is giving you to get through this world and be successful and have identity and reach your destiny. Fear takes us away. God gives us tools to defeat darkness and we allow fear to steal them. It's interesting though, you know, I teach sometimes about fear, especially in my old world, but I teach sometimes about fear. And if you've ever walked through, I think it's leadership class where I teach this, when I talk about soul care, like there's a couple different kinds of fear. There's real fear. Real fear means that you are in imminent danger. A bear is about to eat me. It is like six inches away from my face. That is real fear, real fear. But most of the time we live in a world that's called the perception of fear. Perception of fear is based in who you believe you are, what, you, what lies you've believed that have been spoke over you, and what you think might happen, which is all based in our emotions as well. My best example of perception of fear that I always give is if my boss, when I was working, if my boss picked up the phone and said, Amy, get in my office right now. The first thing that I do is go, oh no, what have I done? That is a perception of fear. And behind that are lies that the enemy has let you believe. He's going to find out I didn't do my job. He's going to find out I'm not as smart as I think I am, or he thinks I am. He's going to find out I am not capable of doing what he thinks I can do. Somebody said a lie about me, and he believed it. All of those things are perception of fear. But who knows? I could have walked to my boss's office, and he could have said, you know, you're doing a really great job right now, so I think I'm going to give you a raise. But that would have never crossed my mind because I was living in the perception of fear. Fear is always at the root of mistrust. 
So as I'm following this little bunny trail and I'm going, okay, God, why don't I trust you with everything? Because I'm afraid. But what am I afraid of? Well, God, I can't trust you because I'm afraid. Interestingly enough, and we know this, faith is the antidote to fear. We are all given the same measure of faith. Does everybody know that? Like you were born, you were given faith as a gift from God. Now we have the ability, we'll talk a little bit about this. We have the ability to grow faith, to make it stronger. It's kind of like building a muscle. You have to exercise faith for it to become stronger. Faith is, de- or faith is defined as a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Now, interestingly, I will say that when we take a look at faith, it goes a little bit farther than that. Faith starts out as in believing in something which is no, there is no proof. But faith eventually comes with proof when you believe in the God that gave you faith in the first place. Hebrews 11.1, 1, one of the best faith verses in the universe. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. It is the ability for us to do things like believe God's promises, trust his faithfulness, rely on his character, and his faithfulness to act in your behalf. Now, trust is not the same thing as faith because sometimes we can get that confused. Like I said, faith is something we're given. Trust is something you learn to do. But in order for faith to grow stronger, trust is required. It requires us to trust God to supply all of our needs. And if you're gonna trust him completely, it's not just some, it's all of your needs. That he has a plan for your life, even when you can't see what it looks like. But fear kills trust, which then turns faith into something that's been disabled in your life. When I'm on the mountaintop and life is great and everything is beautiful and I am certain where God is taking me, like beyond a shadow of doubt, God, I trust your direction. I know this is what you're speaking. I know this is where we're going. It's really easy for me to trust him with most of the things in my life. Because I have never gotten to the place where I trust him with everything. I'm hoping I get there. By the time I get to glory, I'll get there, right? That's what I'm believing. But when life isn't easy, when life is hard, often we get shaken by our circumstances. We allow past experiences in the world to shake our trust in the one who holds our life. The road is good. The journey is peaceful. Or even better, maybe you just came out of a storm where God showed up and you were victorious. You finally have some peace and rest. And then out of nowhere, bam, I love that word. Here comes the world showing up. If you're in my AIM class, you've heard me talk about this thing called crisis of belief. That is what bam is. A crisis of belief is something has happened in my life. Sometimes it can be good. Today we're kind of talking about the bad, but sometimes it can be good. But a crisis of belief in my life says, wow, something significant 
just happened that can change the way that I view the world forever. And I have a choice. I can choose to believe that he's gonna take care of me and that he has a plan for me and that I can trust him with everything that I have or I can choose to figure out how to go my way, which just takes me back around the mountain. Hopefully I make it back around again. Crisis of belief. And it's interesting. So the disciples knew all about this. And when God showed this to me, I was like, are you serious? Like, I really don't want to go to this passage of scripture, God, because when we talk about fear, this is where we always go. We're going to go there anyway. And I'm probably going to talk about something totally different in the process. So I want you to turn to Mark 4, 35 through 40 with me. I would assume for most of you, this is a very familiar story. It's also a very familiar story that is often used when we talk about fear and trusting God and all of those things. And I'm actually reading out of the New Living Translation today, I think for all of my scriptures. But this is what it says as you're making your way. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving crowds behind, although other boats tried to follow. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the waves stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? We're just going to stop there. I know we could keep going and talking about Peter getting out of the boat and all of those things, but we're going to stop right here. For a lot of you, you know the story. We use it all the time to talk about fear and faith and trust. But here's what I was thinking about as I was going through this. When they left the shore, everything was fine. It was a beautiful day. Not a storm in sight. And then the storm came out of nowhere. Ever been there? Cancer diagnosis? Somebody you love dies? loss of a job, some kind of really extreme disappointment in your life because suddenly everything changes. And think about this. This this kind of blew me away, but think about this. At the time this is all going on, the disciples are following Jesus. They're with him every single day. They are in the will of God. They are walking around with Jesus, believing what he's doing, trying to do what he needs them to do to continue to move in the right direction with him. You know, sometimes I think we think that storms only come when we're not in the will of God, and that's not true. And sometimes we think that if we're in the will of God, we shouldn't have storms. But he didn't promise that either. Sometimes we come out of a difficult season We're filled with faith and peace. 
And then we fall right back into another season. We forget what God just did with us. Sometimes you feel like one thing happens right after another. I've been in seasons with this with people. I was in this season. Who am I kidding? Okay, things are going to calm down now. And then something happens. Things are going to calm down now. And then something happens. Even in this season of retirement, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to hang out with Jesus for 30 or 60 days. We're going to have an amazing time. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to praise with him. He's going to tell me the direction of my life. And then my mom got pneumonia in both lungs and almost died. So suddenly my identity is not Christ says I'm this. It says you are a full-time caretaker. Welcome to the world. Do you know what that did for me? All it did was make me mad. Because God wasn't doing what I thought, I thought he was going to do. And we wonder what God's up to. And here's the other question. What's Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? He's sleeping. And he's not just nodding off in the boat like, oh, this is kind of a boring trip. Like he's out. He went to the back of the boat. He got a cushion out. He laid down, he put his head on it, and he went to sleep. He was intentionally sleeping. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if he was hoping if they would get it. I was, I'm wondering if he was just trying to give them an example. And here's why. He already told them where they were going. He said, let's get in the boat, we're going to the other side. He didn't say, let's get in the boat. There's going to be a horrible storm and we're all going to die. He said, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And he took a nap. And I feel like he was just like in his brain going, trust me. I already told you where we were going. But how did they respond? What, you don't care? We're going to drown. Like, God, what are you doing? Jesus, hello. You're sleeping. We're going to die. Don't you, don't you care? Was there a real physical threat right that moment? Yep, there was. It was a storm and it was scary. You had a bunch of fishermen in a boat that don't normally get too scared when the wind kicks up and the rain happens. This was a terrifying storm. They were physically afraid for their lives. But here's the greater issue. They didn't trust Jesus. Ever been there? I'm in the middle of a trial. I'm suffering. There's been loss. There's been grief. Ever whispered or shouted those words to God? Where are you? Don't you care? What, like, what's going on? Did you forget me? Where'd you go? Our lack of, oh, and my favorite one, I almost missed this one. Don't you love me anymore? And I don't want to go down a bunny trail, but the reason that we ask God if he loves us anymore is because the world has skewed your thought of love. The world makes love conditional. God will never stop loving you, no matter what. Because there are no conditions on the love that he has for you. But we still ask, don't you love me anymore? Where are you? What are you doing? I love when I talk so much, I forget where I'm at. 
Our lack of trust that God's plan is best and that he is always working on our behalf does nothing for us but create disappointment, resentment, bitterness. Trust me, been there. We allow our circumstances to overtake our faith and our trust. And we crumble in fear. Often fear is only perception. It's not real. Why are you afraid? Jesus says to them. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? It's kind of a redundant question, I'm thinking. We all have faith that was given to us as a gift. But when trust is lacking, faith cannot be strong and it cannot grow. Well, thank God Jesus didn't let them all drown. Because he knew we're human. He knows we have this human condition that causes us to be riddled with fear, that causes us to lack trust in people, in things, in him. I mean, trust is destroyed by the world as well. That's why I'm telling you, the enemy's, one of the enemy's greatest gifts is fear because if he can teach you not to trust anything in this world, then you will get to the place where you don't trust God either. Faith grows stronger the more that we trust God and the word. Trusting God completely absolutely has the power to remove all sense of fear. To me, that is mind-blowing, and I can't, even, I can't even grasp what that would look like. But I think about people that I, I believe are far stronger than me that are literally dying in other countries. Alan knows people like this. Blows my mind. It just made it more real for me when you were like, hey, I know this person. Because they don't allow fear to interrupt with their faith. Trust in God comes when we put our confidence in his integrity, not ours. His strength, not ours. His promises that he has for us. It comes when we walk in relationship with him and witness the things that he does in our lives and around us. So that's how it grows. My trust has, I have to learn how to trust God. And you know, I, 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 I'm trying to remember where I talked about this, but who knows, in something, because I'm the teacher, like I just show up and do this stuff. But we talk a lot about, when I used to work in drug and alcohol, one of the most frustrating things that new counselors would do or staff would do is they would look at a person that just came off the street from a horrific addiction and say, use your coping skills. And I would be like, you do realize they don't have any, right? Their coping skills are drugs, alcohol, inappropriate relationships, stealing. Like, like the list goes on and on. They don't have coping skills. That's why they are where they are. It's our job to teach that. It's our job to teach them how to grasp those things. Well, God does the same thing with us. When I get a new believer in my world and I say, and they're in a really bad place, and I say, God loves you. Do you know that nine times out of 10, they think that you are lying? They don't believe you. They're not even sure who God is yet. But God takes us by the hand and he shows up in a mighty and a magical, amazing, supernatural way. 
and he teaches us how to trust him. In my world, I always remember the first time that instead of my car broke down, I'm gonna die, this is horrible, I can't believe this just happened to me, I need to call 10 other people and tell them how awful it is and they're gonna commiserate with me and tell me how awful it is and it's just gonna be a big old mess and I'm gonna cry and complain and, and the first time I was like, whew, my car broke down. Okay, Jesus, I don't know what you're gonna do, but we'll see. And you know what? It all worked out. And I learned to trust him because that's what he does with us. Relationship is so important because your relationship with Christ teaches us you can trust him. And then there was the really painful thing that I had to come to the realization of. If I'm gonna trust God completely, it means I have to surrender. In order to trust something completely, you have to be willing to surrender to its power. (laughs) So that's kind of where I sat for a minute. Because I will tell you that I think I have surrendered over and over and over and over again, and I probably have, and God sees that, and he knows that. But in my world, sometimes surrender is a daily thing. Because, and I've heard many other people say this, I will pick it back up and I will lay it down and I will pick it back up and I will lay it down and I will pick it back up. So as I am sitting there watching the trees, I start to think about, okay, how do I learn trust like that? How do I get to the place where I believe that God can manage all of my needs? not just the ones I think he can have. Because I have no idea who I thought I was. And so I came up with a couple things just for fun. The first one for me is this. I have to get up and I have to choose God every day. Every single day. I cannot just walk around and say, yep, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I go to church on Sunday. And then forget that he exists the rest of the week unless I'm in crisis. I have to choose every single day. Proverbs 3, 6 says, seek his will in all that you do and he will show which path for you to take. I don't have to guess. All I have to do is seek him. He's gonna tell me where to go. If we put God first in our lives and we make the continuous choice to trust him completely, then our trust will grow, our faith will become stronger. This life will be a lot easier than you think it is, even in the ugly and the bad. You can't just follow him on the things that you want to. Disregard his guidelines on the other things that make us uncomfortable. Does it sound like the world? Take a look, guys. We live in a world where we're doing a whole lot of that. I don't like this, but I like this. And I don't like that, but I like this. And I'm gonna follow this, but I'm definitely not gonna follow that. We live in that world. And then here's one of those awful words. We're gonna talk about it a couple times because if it's a sermon of mine, it always shows up. We wanna take control of the situation. I'm not even looking at some of the people that know me so well because I won't be okay. We want to work things out on our own. We think we got this figured out. 
but we have to choose God instead. We won't win anyway, quite honestly. I can't tell you how many times I thought my way is the best way to do things and I end up going around that mountain and I end up right back at the beginning and God, I think God just stands up there and goes, really? Did you really want to do this again? I have the answer. It's right here. All you have to do is trust that I know what I'm talking about. Not like he's God or anything. Come on. Oh. I'll go around the mountain another three or four times just because I think I need to. Just to prove to myself that I might be right to find out that I'm not. He is way more capable of taking care of you than you are, I promise. And once you surrender and you choose him daily, there isn't any more room left to worry. Do you know there are over 100 scriptures in the Bible about worry and why we shouldn't do it? A hundred scriptures. That favorite phrase, if you worry, why pray? If you pray, why worry? Is that how it goes? Yeah. Because basically worry is the opposite of faith. They can't exist in the same space. You don't get to have both. Now, I said all of that to say this. Don't be discouraged. Because God knows I have to do this over and over again, so I'm sure he knows that some of you have to do this over and over and over again too. That's what's so cool about God's love. Take it back, put it down, take it back, put it down, take it back, put it down. God's still there. He ain't go anywhere. He's just waiting for us to figure it out. And the second one is study his word. And I know sometimes people are like, really? Every single sermon, people just tell me to pick this up and read it. There's a reason for that. Pick this up and read it. Psalms 119, 105 says this. Very, very well-known scriptures this, this time. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. That word path keeps coming up. We're on journey. God's got your path figured out. And it's a narrow path. Two things that I thought about when I thought about studying his word. The first one is, you will know more about the identity and the character of God if you're in this book. How much do you trust complete strangers? If you do, we probably should talk afterwards. (laughs) Unless God told you to. You cannot trust people you do not know. This is where you'll find him. Second thing I thought of is the Bible is filled of example after example after example of people who were in really difficult situations and circumstances and trusted God and in the end were victorious. And like I can't, there's so many examples I could sit up here and just talk all day long. You know, one of my ones, my favorite ones because I work in mental health is probably Noah. Because, you know, if Noah showed up in 2023 and said, I'm going to build an ark, we'd have had him committed. (laughs) People thought he was crazy, but he didn't care because he trusted God. Who won that one? I think there was an awful lot of people scrambling when the rain started. 
There's so many examples in the Bible. Open it up, read it. It's not like he's asking us to do something that's never been done. Just trust. And when life gets messy, we usually go one of two ways with some of this. We either spend more time in this because we're struggling and we need God and we want him close and we struggle. So there's one way. We spend a lot of time in this when we're really struggling or we put it down and we walk away. And sometimes we don't even mean to walk away. Like in my world, this is how it looks. Sometimes when something big comes up, I go, okay, God, let's buckle down. I'm ready. Devotions are happening every morning. I'm in my Bible. I'm praying all the time. I'm putting the armor of God on every morning when I get out of bed. I sit on the edge of the bed and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, you got to show up and walk me through the day. And then I get distracted. I get overwhelmed. I fall into the negative and get, con- and, and the other thing I will tell you is when I'm not okay, the more I'm not okay, the more works I think I should do because it makes me feel better. And if you know me, then you can laugh, which just takes me away from the things that he has for me. Because if I'm distracted and I'm off doing works and busy, not even things that he's called me to, which just exhausts you, by the way, if he didn't call you to it, you don't need to do it. Because all it does is make you tired. All of a sudden, I'm not doing my devotions. All of a sudden, I don't have time to pray because I just fell asleep and I'm too tired. I put it down, I walk away. I'm not trusting him. I'm just trying to fake every day and get through it. Study his word. Redirect yourself when you get off course. That's what I just talked about. If I'm not trusting God with the plan for my life and where I'm going to go and what he wants me to do, I'm going to get off course. Pay attention to what you're thinking about. Pay attention to what you're watching. Pay attention to what you're listening to. Pay attention to the people you're spending time with. Pay attention to what your heart is focused on. Sometimes it's negativity. Sometimes it's seeking the approval of other people. Sometimes it's avoiding things that God has actually called you to. Selfishness, busyness, distractions amok is what I put. And I, then, I, then I said, I already said this, most of the times in my life, I slowly start abandoning the things that will keep me on his path, in his presence, with trusting him with myself. Mm. This one was a good one. Confess unbelief. Do you know that God already knows what you're thinking and what you're doing every single second of your day. I once had a person told me that it was not okay to wrestle with God. I believed them for a minute. And then God was like, are you kidding? We wrestle every single day, Amy, hang on. Because my faith and my trust are stronger and grow more and more when I am gut honest with him and say exactly where I am. 
You know, in Mark, there's, a, there's, there's an amazing scripture that talks about a boy's father who, who brings his son to Jesus, who had, and his son has been possessed by a demon. He asked Jesus, will you please heal him if you can? Jesus asked the man, do you not believe that I can heal him? And the man replied, and this is in Mark 9, 24, if you're taking notes or paying attention to that. 9, 24, and the man responds and he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. He believed, but sometimes there are things that are difficult to believe. Our humanness gets in our way. Our junk gets in the way. So he asked Jesus for help. It's okay to ask Jesus for help, especially when I'm struggling in unbelief. Knowing and believing are two different things, guys. I know Jesus, and I know that he can, but I don't know if I believe that he will. We believe it for others, but not for yourself sometimes. Your unbelief impacts you more than it impacts the rest of the universe because we allow past hurts, vows, judgments, things in our lives that have been spoke over us to believe that we're not in that category of what Jesus can do. We can't trust God because somewhere along the line, we became something that doesn't deserve or is damaged or isn't gonna get, which is just a bunch of lies and junk from the enemy. And it's fear. It's all based in fear. God's gonna realize I'm not who he thinks I am. Wrong answer. He knows exactly who you are. Talking to God about your feelings and telling him where you struggle with unbelief and asking him to help you is the quickest way to get over unbelief. You know, I've even, I, I used to be afraid to say this out loud, but I say it out loud now. I have had moments in my life not too long ago where I have gotten to a place where the enemy had the ability to say, you really don't think this God guy is real, Right? Like, it's really not what you think it is. You're just wasting your time. If you think that devout followers don't have those thoughts, you're wrong. And it's okay to have those conversations with God. Because if you don't, you just keep going down that road. Hmm. Remember, you're not in control. You know I had to put it in here, right? Just because it's me. I know, we talk about it all the time. But I have issues. And so do some of my friends. Let it go. Proverbs 3, 5, we already said this. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Because a lot of the time, I really don't know what I'm doing. Let it go. Letting go means you're trusting him in all circumstances. You have to get it, give it to God completely. Some days I sit back and go, why do I think that I know more than him? Because that's what it is. It, it almost becomes a pride issue for me in my mind. I, I believe I'm not a prideful person. But when I think that I know more than him and I'm gonna try it my way first, 
Sounds a lot like pride to me. Need to step away from that. He created the world, the oceans, the trees, human beings, all the intricacies about me. I think he can probably handle me. And this one is probably one of the most important ones to me because it is near and dear to my heart as well. Share your concerns with sacred community. God never meant for you to be alone. God never meant for us to do life alone. God never meant for us to hide our wounds, our pain, our shame, our sorrow, our happiness, our joy, everything. He wants us to support each other. He wants us to help each other. Oftentimes we do the exact opposite though. When things are tough and situations are horrible, we run and we hide. We avoid, we pull away from people and this, but from the very people that you need. And it becomes, I'm fine. How's that go? I'm fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Isn't there a t-shirt or something that says that now? I'm fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Shame, guilt, fear, judgment, all of those things keep us from the people that we need the most. You know, it was very interesting, but when I realized, when I finally realized watching those trees, what a dark place I was actually in. I would have loved to told you that in that moment, I just turned it around completely. I was like, oh God, I'm so wrong, please forgive me. But that is not what happened. I knew I was in a dark place. I knew I was stuck, but I didn't know what to do with it. Because I felt like a hypocrite. I had spent years stepping into identity, helping people step into identity, trying to find my destiny, teaching people that God had a destiny for them. Trust God with your future. He has a plan. And when he didn't do it my way, I was lost. And I felt like a hypocrite. Well, yep, that's when you throw community out the door because you feel guilty and you feel shameful and you don't want anybody to know where you're at. What did you say today, Angel? Division, you said something in prophecy this morning about don't run and hide. Like that's what we do. We separate ourselves. Isolation. The enemy wants you isolated. Here we are. But I will tell you that my greatest moment of breakthrough was finally speaking out loud to someone else exactly where I was. And I don't mean anybody. Sacred community means sacred community. You have to have a group of like-minded people, fellow believers that will hold you up, support you and carry you through these seasons. You cannot go to just anyone. Go back to the car issue I was talking about. I can pick up the phone right now and probably call 15 people that will do nothing but commiserate with me and tell me, oh my, or feel sorry for me or sympathize with me and be like, oh my gosh, Amy, that's so terrible. I can't imagine. That's not helping me. My friends will tell you that sometimes I drive them crazy because I give them the truth. They may not want to hear it, but I want people to do that to me. Right. 
Always seek people who will speak truth. Always seek people who will pour life into you. Join a small group. Show up at Rick and Amy's house. Hang out with like-minded people that will, yes, they'll tell you the truth. They will hold you accountable and they will call you out. But they will love you and they will support you and you will grow because of it. They will help you find a deeper understanding of Christ just in what they speak. And they will not tell you just what you want to hear. And then there's the hardest one. Sometimes when it feels like prayers go unanswered, problems aren't solved, God is quiet. Somebody else spoke this this morning because all I could think to myself is during the test, the teacher is silent. Sometimes God takes us through things and he is quiet because he's trying to see if we can stretch and grow in the things he's already given us. Maybe the difficulty that you're having has been hanging out for a really long time. Maybe you're in a place where it feels like you just got your head above water and you're going under again. Learning to trust God means we have to trust him completely. And that often means you have to wait. And what you do while you're waiting matters. John 16.33 says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me Here on earth, you will have trials, you will have sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I cannot tell you how many times I've spoke this verse in counseling lately to people. It doesn't say if, it doesn't say maybe. It says this world is gonna be tough, guys. And that's why we have to trust him even more. It's in the waiting that we learn to trust because we have to choose it. It's in the waiting that you strengthen faith while you believe. We learn not to lean on our own understanding in waiting because if I wanna lean on my own understanding, I will stop waiting and I will just try to solve it myself. So I have to learn to wait. He reminds us over and over again, guys, he doesn't stop, he doesn't rest, he doesn't sleep, he doesn't go away, he didn't go anywhere. Same today, yesterday, and forever. Jerry's favorite verse, just because I know that. But it had totally different meaning to me this week. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they walk and they will not faint. And I thought to myself, wow, when I try to do all of this in my own strength, I'm exhausted. But it tells me that if I would just trust, I will have new strength. I will not grow weary. Fear is a liar, guys. The enemy loves it. And it grips us terribly sometimes. It keeps you from the very things that God has for you. 
Faith will conquer fear, but it requires you to trust in the person that holds your future. And even now, I would love to say that I have surrendered it all, that I trust, I surrender all. I sing it, I love that song. I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender. And tomorrow I'll sing it again. And the next day I'll sing it again. Because as much as I'd like to tell you that walking through this process and going through this season, I got this. I don't, and I can't. I'm still not there. Like I said, I'm hoping by the time I get to glory, I'll have it all figured out, and that's all that matters to me. Let's stand. It's a daily lesson. It's a constant choice. I have to make every single day. Whose truth will I believe? What does God say that I am? Today, I'm going to choose to trust you. Do you feel the struggle? Have you figured out how to trust him with your destiny in your life? Because he's waiting. So let's close our eyes. Put our hands on our heart. And if you're in a place today where you want to figure out how to trust God with all of you, everything in it, all in, surrender all, I trust you. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, today I choose you. Teach me to trust you. Let me listen to your voice. Help me to believe that your plans are good. And they are for me, not against me. Remind me daily who you say I am. Speak destiny over my life. Quiet the world. And let me focus on you. Because you are good. And you are holy. And you have nothing but the best for me. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.